Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... God's love is not a passive love. God demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, the Bible tells us, Christ died for us. And so we are not passive. We possess the same love that compelled Jesus Christ to die on the cross, and we have to be actionable with it. We have to move with it. Unity is very important, especially in a church. In fact, a church united in the gospel of Jesus is a force in its community. But how does a church achieve this type of unity? Today, Pastor Jim will explain that unity comes from a certain motivation and mindset. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of Philippians chapter 2 with part 2 of his message entitled, Joyful Unity. Three things, if you're taking notes, we want to just look at briefly, you say, how in the world can we do this? Well, he supplies us with some tools, if you will, to grab a hold of. Number one is he gives us a motivation for unity, a motivation for, like, why in the world would I want to be united with a bunch of messy church people? And he tells us why. Verse one, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy. Let's just stop right there for a second. Now, without going into the technical details of the Greek language, the word if can sometimes have the meaning of the word since or the meaning of the word because. So let's substitute the word if for since and because and see maybe this helps us understand it a little bit more. He says, therefore, since or because there is any consolation, some of your versions say encouragement in Christ. So since you've received encouragement in Christ, if or since because there is comfort of love, one commentator put it this way, he said there is the persuasive appeal of God's love. Because of that, okay, since or because there is fellowship of the Spirit since or because there is affection and mercy. Some of your versions translate it tenderness and compassion. So here the Apostle Paul very skillfully begins with why a Christian, someone who is a committed follower of Jesus Christ, someone who has turned to God and put their trust in Jesus Christ, not someone who just says, well, yeah, I guess I'm a Christian, I'm an American, not that, okay, someone who's really a Christian, why they should be motivated for the church to be unified, why they should desire for the church to be unified, why they should care for others within the church. And what is his appeal? His appeal is to the experience of becoming a Christian. And his experience is also as to what should be the ongoing experience of a Christian. So what does he say? 
When you became a Christian, and as a Christian, you experience the encouragement of the Lord. That's part of being a Christian. Most people become Christians when they're just not really doing so hot. <laughs> and like, God could never take me this way. And I'm like, oh, yes, yes, now you're ready, right? Now you're ready. When you realize that you're not worth taking, that's when God wants to take you. And so he says, you've experienced the encouragement, okay, of the Lord. You have experienced the love of the Lord. You have experienced the fellowship of his spirit. You have been drawn into the worship of God. You, maybe you read your Bible and you're like, remember the, for some of us the first day, we like understood it like, I got it, I got it, you know? And so you've experienced that. You've experienced the mercy of God the tenderness and compassion of God. Instead of him beating you up for your sin and your selfishness, he welcomed you, he offered to forgive you, and he told you that he could help you to walk with him. And so the apostle says, you say you have all those things, so prove it by loving others in the church. You say you're a follower of Jesus. Take what's internal and make it external. Take the love of God and demonstrate it to others. Just this alone should be enough to radically change every believer in a church to love one another, shouldn't it? Notice the Apostle Paul doesn't say what we would say. What would we say? We'd be like, just shut up and get along. <laughs> you know, just get with it. Come on. How many times? Five times he mentioned the gospel in chapter one. Hello, get a hint, get with it. No, not at all. What does he do as the motivation? He draws our attention to how the Lord has treated us. And he says, go, if you will, and do likewise. He appeals to the Lord's desire of how a true church is to think and live. And he calls everybody in the church. Remember we said that when he writes to a church, when God writes to a church, it is written to any church by extension. And he calls everybody in the church to participate. Not so the Lord goes, oh, that's really good. No, because we would be responding to how good the Lord has been to us. Now this is very important for us to see as a church and very important for us to see this point as Christians much of the experience of the Lord has come to you through other believers. Much of what you've learned, much of what you know about, has come to you because somebody else took the time when you were just first starting out to explain the things of God to you, to love you, to care for you. I was talking with someone in the church recently, and they brought a friend here. And their friend basically has what I would classify as the classic Northwest New Jersey Christian, pseudo-Christian belief. It's basically some form of religiosity mixed with the new age. So I was talking with them and their friend, and their friend went to the restroom, and they go, my friend's whacked out, right? <laughs> and I said, their beliefs are a bit off of what we would classify as classic, the classic Christian message. And like, yeah, I don't know what to do. I go, it's okay. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. And they go, was I that way when I got here? I was like, yes. <laughs> was I worse? I was like, yes. <laughs> but somebody took the time with that person. Somebody here, in fact, 
took the time with that person to explain those things. And so the love of God, the knowledge of God was brought through, or as we say in theological terms, was mediated through that person from God. And that person might have welcomed you into the family of God. They helped you belong. And the Apostle Paul is saying, now that's happened to you, guess what? Your obligation is to do that for someone else. That is how Christianity spreads. And this is one of the problems that we have in America right now, is where are the people who are saying, you know what, I have received so much from the Lord, I need to pass it on to somebody who's new. Now, it's easy to say, well, the church should do that. Who's the church? The people. The people. People say, well, I really don't know enough. Buy the book. Go through it together and see what it is that you don't know. We love Bible questions here. Trust me, we love that stuff. If you may recall that I told a story many times here before, before we started on Sunday mornings up here, I went and visited about 10 churches on Sunday mornings just to see what they were like, and there was two criteria I had for myself. Number one was uh, I was not going to speak to anyone which if you know me, that's not easy. I was not going to speak to anyone. And number two, I was not going to carry a Bible with me into church. And I wanted to see as I visited those churches, did anybody speak to me and did I need a Bible? And you know there was only one church where someone spoke to me? And there was only one church I needed a Bible? And they were the same church. And a year later, I met somebody there and I told them the story and he said, yeah, I got some bad news for you. I said, what's that? He goes, that guy died and our pastor left. But, you know, God really not only gave me a vision, I guess, for what I wanted us to be, and we're not perfect there. We certainly need to do better at this for sure. But I also saw what happens when I put nothing into it. You know, if I put nothing into trying to engage myself with other people when I walk into a place, then who am I to think, well, they didn't care about me? You see, we really have to be about the Lord's business. And the words fellowship of the Spirit are very important here. It speaks of a Christian's bond to the Lord, and it speaks of our bond to all of the people that are part of God's church. And to participate is to give into, if you will, the pull of the Holy Spirit. And it's part of experiencing the new heart and the new sensitivities that God gives someone when they become a new creation or a committed follower of Jesus Christ. Now, there's many people who would say, I'm a Christian, but I'm not experiencing this. And this is where the sledding gets a little tough. So ushers, please lock the door <laughs> because we just want to just talk about something real quick for a second. If you really want to experience the new heart, the new sensitivities of being a new Christian, at some point in time, you may have to stop being angry with the world. At some point in time, you may have to give up the fact that you have been so offended by people. Because people will offend you, and you will offend people. That's just the reality of it. And half the time when people are offended, they just took what you said the wrong way. They just read into it. You know, if you meet me at the door after the service, you go, that was a good sermon. I'm like, I could either go, thank you, or I could go, only good? <laughs> You see, at some point in time, we're going to have to start thinking the best of people. At some point in time, we're going to talk about this a bit, we're going to have to realize that Jesus died for their sins as well as ours, that Jesus loves them just like he loves us. At some point in time, we're going to have to let the love of Jesus Christ embrace us in totality if we want to experience joy 
You see, too much of us have been raised in a hypothetical Christianity. The possession of Jesus Christ and being possessed by him is not a hypothetical. It is a reality. And the Apostle Paul says here, that's the motivation for unity. It is important to Jesus. Jesus said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples for the love that you have for one another. And the apostle says, listen, if it's important to Jesus, if he shared it with you, it needs to be important to you and important to me, and we need to share it with others. Well, secondly, we move to the mindset of unity. And this is the mindset we all must have. He says, verse two, fulfill my joy. Some of your versions wrote it this way, make my joy complete. How? Now, this isn't very important for us to remember. In the Old Testament, we say when the prophets speak, God speaks. We call this book what? The Word of God. So when the apostles speak in the Bible, God speaks. Doesn't mean everything that came out of their mouth was, you know, when they said, you know, you know want something to eat? Yes. Oh, thank you, God. No, it means when they wrote, you know, we studied 1 Corinthians, we knew there was a missing letter. The apostle Paul was like, yeah, that wasn't from God. That was me getting in the flesh and getting angry and stuff like that. So, but when the apostles speak in the Bible, it is God who is speaking there. God is speaking through them. It is the word of God. So this is God's heart for a church. This is it. He says, fulfill my joy, fulfill God's joy, by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. So here the apostle describes to us how a church family is supposed to think through the gospel, think through what he just taught us in verse 1, and he says the goal is to be like-minded, having the same mind, being of one accord, being joined in soul. That is the goal of us as a church. Now, this to me is very amazing that a guy who sits in jail wondering, hmm, you know, that I might lose my head today. Caesar might cut my head off. Writes to a bunch of people a couple hundred miles away, and he says to them, your unity, your oneness will make my joy complete. You think it would be if my head and my body are still connected at the end of the day. (laughs) But he didn't say that. And the focus is not on his joy. The focus is on their unity because this is God's heart. Because this is God's mind. And this is a key. Our unity is a key to your joy as a person who attends this church. Because a fundamental key in experiencing God a fundamental key to joy in the Christian life is focusing on others instead of ourselves. You say, give me an example. How about Jesus on the cross? Focusing on others instead of himself. So in verse 1, the apostle appealed to the church out of experience. Here, he appeals to them out of what is God's heart? And he says to them, God's heart needs to be the way we think, and it needs to be behind everything that we do. In other words, God's attitude needs to be our attitude. And what is perhaps our biggest danger as human beings is our what? Our attitudes. Our attitudes. I mean, if we're always angry with everybody, then like, I don't know why I don't have any friends. Okay, hello. <laughs> You're always angry with everybody. And our attitude, he says, I want you to come together 
that the attitude of the church is about the gospel. Now, this is a mindset that we have to have or unity will never happen on the outside because bitterness will rule on the inside. And so together as people, and I don't think we fight the fighting thing of church, but as Americans, apathy is always knocking at the door. Busyness, other things that are more important, all kinds of things that are going to take us away from following Jesus and developing friendships with other Christians to help us grow, that's always going to be at the door. That's always going to be the temptation for us. We cannot be fully united as a church if we're always expecting the church to do things because the church is the people. Together we have to do things. You know, there's always people who need things, meals. How many of you would like me to cook a meal for you? In my house, it goes like this. Get out of the kitchen, honey. I love you, but you're not a cook. For me, my wife wakes up every morning, every Sunday morning. I have this ritual where I have one of those low-calorie, 5.30 in the morning, microwave ham and egg sandwiches. She has to cook it for me. (laughs) I'm that pathetic. (laughs) I mean, I cooked hot dogs once, and I go, I cook. She goes, that's not cooking. I go, it involved heat. (laughs) It's cooking, and it involves heat to me. Okay, so... You don't want me to cook for you, but there's other people who are part of the church who can help by cooking for you. And so we have to get out of the mindset that the church is going to do things. And notice how this happens. He says, having the same love. Now notice he didn't say loving the same things. As much as I hate to say it, it is okay to go to this church and be a Red Sox fan. It's okay. (laughs) Cowboys, I don't know, okay? But we don't have to love the same things, but we all have to have God's love. We all have to seek to be in the import-export business. God's love is imported to our souls, and we export it to other people. We don't let it die with us. We are exporters of God's love. You see, because God's love is not a passive love. God demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, the Bible tells us, Christ died for us. And so we are not passive. We possess the same love that compelled Jesus Christ to die on the cross, and we have to be actionable with it. We have to move with it. And we can show others the love of Christ. And as we do, we will experience joy. Now, that doesn't mean it's always going to be good. And sometimes people will dump on you. But you can still know that you loved God in the process. Notice the apostle begins this verse and ends it with the mind. It's all about the mind. Fulfill my joy okay, by being like-minded. At the end, he says, be of one mind. Be of one mind of what? Of the gospel. Not all the other stuff. That's why when we do our outreaches, we go out and we tell people about Jesus. That's what we are to be about, okay? Not all the other stuff. 
I know when we go out on outreaches, the other churches are, you know, they're selling raffle tickets and they're giving away toys and stuff like that. And we're, God bless them. But that's not what we're about here at this church. What does the front of your bulletin say? Helping people grow into committed followers of Jesus Christ. Every idea, every suggestion, everything that somebody did at another church or heard about another church doing that comes to our church, you know what we do? We run it through that funnel. We run it, we sift it through that. Explain to us how that is helping people grow into committed followers of Jesus Christ. And you know what that means? We sometimes have to say no to some really good things. Really good things. Whether we don't have the money, whether we don't have the manpower, whatever it is, but also sometimes is, is it doing that? So there we go. That's number two. Number one, motivation for unity. Number two, mindset of unity. Number three, the mechanics of unity. Okay? So how we all to think, he explained it. How are, are, are we, because we have our experience, we have to think about the mind of Christ, and now he's, what do you and I personally need to do? What is this going to look like in my life? How do I execute on this? And he holds out this standard here in verse 3 and 4 that's absolutely impossible. Absolutely impossible. To have the mind of God, maybe, to have the attitude, maybe, to actually live it out in the war with our flesh, very, very difficult. May God have mercy on our souls. Verse 3, let nothing be done through selfish ambition. I mean, selfishness is really one of the base roots of sin. It's all about me. I only care about me. I don't even care about God. And my ambition is to get what I want, my needs, my thing, me, 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 me. You know, we've just, we're two years old. We just learned to be more classy about it, the way we act about it, but we're kind of still the same way. He says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition. He's saying to them, listen, whatever you do in the church, don't be selfish. Don't let selfishness motivate what you're doing. So it should take us four hours to get out of the parking lot. You go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. All right? So do nothing through selfish ambition or conceit. Don't be the center of your world. Get out of the box of you and start to think and care about other people. But, so you put that off and put this on. Stop doing that and start doing this. But in lowliness of mind, some of your versions translate that humility to the ancients. Humility was like the worst. Do not be humble. People will get one up on you. Sound familiar? You know, they'll stomp on you. Don't let them do that, right? Let each esteem others or count or value others better or more important than himself. Now, don't start running around here like, oh, I'm just such a piece of garbage, Jim. But the other people are so wonderful. That's not spiritual. We'll talk about that in a second. Verse 4, let each of you... Now, who's exempt from that? Nobody. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests. You have to look out for your own interests. If you don't look out for your own interests, then we have to take care of you. Right? So if you're able to take care of yourself, you have to take care of yourself. And the Bible assumes you will look out for your own interests, right? So there's a practical part to it. If you give all your money away and you show up here tomorrow morning and you're like, I gave all my money away. Can I live at the church? No, it's against zoning ordinances. Okay? Now you've become a burden to the church. 
right? So we don't want that. We have to look out for ourselves. But there's a selfish aspect to it too, right? Where I only look out for myself. I only care about myself. So he says, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Thank you for listening to Change by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire here at Changed by Love is simply to bring you the life-changing message of Jesus Christ by teaching you the Bible in a simple, easy-to-follow way. With that being said, we try to put our messages into as many people's hands as possible for a very low cost and often free of charge to anyone who contacts us. Did you know that all of our messages can be found for free on our website? ChangedByLoveRadio.com That's ChangedByLoveRadio.com Please check out our website and hit the Contact Us button to tell us something about yourself or to request a CD copy of a message. Here at Changed by Love, we depend on the grace of God as well as the generosity and prayers of our loyal listeners. So thank you to all of you who are prayerfully and financially supporting our program. We would love to hear from you and pray that you drop us a card or a letter to Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey. And don't forget to contact our friends at this radio station and tell them you are being blessed by Changed by Love. It would be a great encouragement to them. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope you'll make plans to join us again next time, right here on this station, for more practical Bible teaching through God's Word with Pastor Jim Kevney, passionately proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to a world that needs to hear.